I think that what we mentioned earlier of like winning the non-Jokic minutes is going to be huge. And that probably puts a lot of pressure on De'Aaron Fox in this game, playing in those minutes, because I'd imagine you'll match a lot of Sabonis and Jokic, or, or maybe it's an Alex Len Knight, for example. But I think the non-Jokic minutes wouldn't surprise me. De'Aaron's the one out there a lot. And I think you just need a big game from him, really. And I was looking earlier, you know, he had seven turnovers in that last game against mm. the Heat. It's a season high. The Kings' numbers based on De'Aaron turnovers are are pretty staggering. They've lost all three games where he's had at least five. They're two and eight in ten games where he's had four plus. And when he's had less than two, they're ten and two. Hmm. I think taking care of the ball against a team that doesn't turn teams over a lot, but sometimes, you know, it's self-inflicted with some of these turnovers. I think taking care of the ball and winning those non-Jokic minutes is going to be big. I'm looking at the offense. I mean, the Kings have played Denver a lot, I mean, three games, and over those three games – 120 points per game, 50% from the field, 41 from three. They can knock it down. And we saw the offense. It, obviously, they've been playing real well over the past couple of games, but uh, the defense is what came through the last time in Denver. They really held Denver to 98 again. Maybe it was a matter of, of like Jake said, they wanted to get to the break. Maybe it was a matter of they're missing their guys. But uh, the Kings locked in defensively, held them to, I think, 30 38% from the field, and like 29 from three. Uh, but Denver is a team that, again, for a Kings team that really struggles on the defensive end to hold mm. teams from the three, the Kings allow opponents to shoot almost 40% from the three. That's the worst in the NBA. Denver enters tonight ranked 27th in made three-point field goals, 27th in attempts as well, but they're top six in points in the paint. So uh, if the Kings can limit the, point in the, the points in the paint, and again, kind of like we talked about, Jokic, who can have a field day down there, Sabonis isn't what we would call a stopper. The defense hasn't been horrible. The verticalities are, are kind of come and go. Like, he has some good performances and bad. Uh, but if you let Aaron Gordon get in there and, and, and create damage, you let Jokic get free, it's going to be tough. But, again, we've seen teams that aren't three-point shooting teams get hot against the Kings. Don't let Denver be one of those teams. Don't let them have a crazy 48% make 15 threes kind of night. Keep them in the paint. See if you can limit the damage and do what you do on offense. We were talking the other day uh, after the Miami game about, you know, Bam, and and previously we had talked about, you know, the Sabonis in the playoffs and what made Looney such a bad matchup for him. Uh, looking at Sabonis against Denver this season, he's averaged 18, 15, and 8. Um, why is it that you guys think that Sabonis doesn't seem to struggle against a guy like Jokic, but then when he goes against somebody who's a little bit more similar in his build, he can't seem to take advantage the same kind of way? Yeah, it's interesting because Jokic has the physicality, but I almost, I don't really know, so I'm kind of taking guesses here, right? But I I almost wonder how much he uses that defensively, right? Mm Because I feel like that's the guys that bother Domas or the Valanchunas, the Looney, the guys that play, right? Guys that play really physical defensively. And Jokic has that physicality. He's got the big build. I just don't know that it's used the same way Mm -hmm. defensively, like bumping and fighting back in that same way. And, um, you know, just isn't the same caliber of defender. I, I think that if Sabonis is looking to just, you know, make a couple moves, try to bring in defenses a little bit and pass to others, that you probably just have to help a little bit more with a Jokic right. compared to some of those other guys we mentioned. But honestly, I don't really know because it does seem more like those those matchups where he wouldn't be as effective. Right. Yeah, because I mean, I feel like during the play or before the playoffs started, it was everybody was looking at that Looney Sabonis matchup and saying, "Oh my gosh, like Sabonis is going to dominate this matchup." And then, as we saw, I mean, more times than not, at the very least, like it was it was an even matchup, and that's maybe being a little bit generous to Sabonis. It just 
it feels weird that he's able to be so physical, so strong with guys that you would like the Valanchunas's, the again, the Jokic's. Like there's big guys that he seems to still out physical. And of course, Chet's and Wemby's out there. But um, yeah, it just feels like if, if you're similar stature as him and, you know, Bam is look looks like a truck, like, you know, he, he just he can't throw his weight around the same way. Yeah, I think he likes being the aggressor. And if that whoever, could be it too, right? Yeah. Whoever is defending him doesn't allow him to be the aggressor yeah. and sets the tone just yeah. like football sets right. the tone early. Exactly. I'm not getting punked tonight. Yeah. Not this and, and Jokic, he's he's continues to get better defensively, but Jokic is I'm just gonna get my get back on the other end. Right. Right. So maybe that's part of it. But yeah, it, it is there is something there. And Zubach has given him problems a couple times. A couple different times, yeah. I mean, Sabonis got him back though at the end of the other night. I mean, yeah, that, oh, he sure that, did. But it was it was highlighted on social media how Zubac was has been dominating Sabonis mm-hmm. as of late. But no, I'm, I'm kind of right there too. I'm not really sure why there's specific matchups that we see Sabonis thriving and and others that he really struggles. But kind of just take him what the defense is giving you. I mean, I, I think he's gotten a lot better at not forcing as much, and I think that's what we saw him kind of have to deal with and find a way to make an impact if you're not able to get through and get free to the rim. I mean, obviously if the shooters are there and they're knocking down shots those assist numbers are going to go up. And again, we've seen him. He's, what, three straight triple doubles. I think uh, he has a chance to go for four in a row tonight, which is just absurd. But um, I think it makes things a lot easier if there's a lot more pressure coming from the Kings on the perimeter. If there's Keegan, if Keegan Murray's than we did the other night and Kevin Herter is just continuing to play well and defenses can't leave those guys floating on the on the perimeter, Sabonis is going to have more room to work with in the key. And when they're not, because when we see the Kings start games off shooting – you know, 15% from three, they're going to clog the paint more and say, okay, yeah. let's let those guys keep, you know, clanking off the rim. We're going to make sure Sabonis can't go and switch things up and go to the basket. So, um, matched up well against them so far this year. Who knows if he can keep it going. But like we talked about, Jokic isn't what we would call, you know, he's, he's not a Rudy Gobert threat down there. He's physical and he can make things uncomfortable. But uh, it's a matchup Sabonis and they can handle on his own. And I think personally, looking down the road, I think that that is why a lot of Kings fans, when you do the list, on paper, even though you would never sign up to face Jokic or the face Jokic or the Nuggets, that is why I think fans would say they're okay with it because so much of the Kings' success is based upon Sabonis. At least you know that Sabonis can put up some numbers against Jokic so you have a chance. If it's a team where Sabonis is not able to do what he wants to do, then you really have no chance, and you know some of the teams, or it, it's a it's a harder opportunity for you to get it done, guys. Another thing we wanted to kind of throw around is the idea of these triple doubles. And Tim Legler earlier in the week talked about how Sabonis wasn't as dynamic as other number twos in the West. I was trying to workshop this when it comes to the triple doubles, and. The reason I feel that the Kings can still lose games and not and really not even close games when Sabonis records a triple double is is similar. Not he's not stat padding the same way Russell Westbrook was on the Thunder, but it is based on just that's how the offense is. So a triple double in theory is somebody doing something out of the ordinary, right? And adding to an offense that's already rolling. Because of how important Sabonis is, that triple-double is basically accounted for in the offense. That's why they can still lose 
when he records one. I mean, he's good enough that you can rely on him in that role. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think it's a compliment more than anything, and it's not like, yeah, I don't really take in, like put too much into win-losses in these triple-doubles mm-hmm. and, like, are they empty numbers? Like, we see what he's doing out there. The rebounding's absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. It, and as consistent as it gets, top of the league this year and last year, the playmaking is always going to be there. He sets the hardest, some of the hardest screens in the league, borderline illegal on all of them, but those are always the best yeah. screens. Hey, hey, hey. Those are the best screens. Yeah. Um, and there's a little bit of scoring there, too. Now that you're going to get games where he takes eight shots against Miami, you know, and didn't love that one. That one has a lot to do with Miami's zone, though obviously. Um, but I think that it's a credit to him that he is good enough to be placed in that role because how many players, e- even though I agree with you, it is the system and this is how their offense functions. There's three dudes in the league that could do that. Right. So I think it's a compliment to him. Also the offense, it, it's efficient. Like he's, he's not, you know, when he is taking his initiative on offense, he's 60 plus percent from the field. Like he's, He's doing all the right things. The turnovers are there sometimes. He tries to do a little too much, I think, with passing the basketball, but he's a hub. He's the king's hub on offense. Like, the ball runs through him. Um, Even when the ball ends up with Fox at the end of a play and he ends up scoring, the ball usually gets a touch by Sabonis at least once. So, Mm -hmm. I I don't really look at it as as other fan bases or people that are saying, like, stat padding or empty calories or whatever you want to put it. But um, I'm looking at the basketball reference top career triple-double leaders and, like, just seeing his face up here – with, with you know, Westbrook obviously number one, but you have Oscar Robertson, Magic Johnson, Jokic, LeBron, Jay Kidd, Will. Uh, he's doing historic stuff right now. And I think if you can't see it that way and, and look at what the Kings are doing, they're not – this isn't like the DeMarcus Cousins Kings that are, you know, oh, my goodness, Bookie had 40, 15, and 8, but the Kings lost by 12. Kings are nine games over. If they win tonight, they're going to be, you know, back in a top five spot in the West. They're right there for a playoff spot. The Sabonis deserves to be top five MVP. I think if he was playing for any other franchise, he probably would be held in a higher regard in the MVP race. So, um, yeah, I just I see it differently as well. It's weird. I think every name he mentioned <clears throat> is a Hall of Famer and probably multiple time All Star. Yes, yes. Everyone on here just just after the guys I named. By the way, I left off James Harden, Luca, Larry Bird is right ahead of hmm. Sabonis. And that rounds out the top eleven. Sabonis is eleventh all time in triple doubles. Yeah, it's a shame he's not one of the twelve best players in the West, though. Well, no, he's. I'm he's, over it though. Well, he's not. Carl Anthony Towns and whoever else you can cook up is. No, I'm not saying he's stat padding. I'm saying it's not surprising to me when the Kings lose a game and he has a triple double because gotcha. a triple double is kind of not weaved. It, it, it's not yeah. taken away from Sabonis. It's just. You still need more because of you know what you're going to get from Sabonis, which sounds crazy. Sure. And, like, that kind of comes back to what we were talking about yesterday, Brendan and I, about the inconsistencies with the Kings. Like, there's been one constant on the Kings this year, just one, and it's been Demonis Sabonis. He has not had a – I don't think he's had a rough stretch. I think he had one game – the last game he didn't have a double-double in, which was, you know, what, 40 games, like 41 games ago. He's been constantly just a positive, a plus – and when you look at what Keegan Murray has gone through, an up-and-down season, Kevin Herter, up-and-down season, De'Aaron Fox, even De'Aaron Fox, an up-and-down season where last year he was a constant 27-point-per-game scorer, Sabonis has kind of been relying on those guys to do their job. And when they're not doing their jobs and when the Kings shoot 25% from three or you know Fox has a bad game, it's not enough. Then you finish with 20-15-12 and 12 and the Kings lose. That's kind of how it happens. It is more on the other guys that have to kind of step up and do their role. And right now the Kings haven't had many games where – Everyone has been kind of checking that box. Like last year, that was very common that Darren Fox would have 25 plus, Sabonis would have a double double, 
Keegan would have 15 points on, like, three of five from three. Kevin's got his 10. HB's got his, like, eight. Whatever. Malik, 15. Everyone kind of had their role last year, and it was very consistent. That's why the Kings were so good. And this year, you see the Kings lose, have these three, four-game losing streaks, and they follow it up because they kind of get hot at the right time. But the, the consistency isn't there, and that's going to be huge over the past the, the last 24 games. But I'm not worried about Simone. He's going to keep doing these insane things. It's just going to be on the other guys. Can they step in and, and find that consistency and get that rhythm? Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious, too. What do you guys think uh, here recently – Chris Duarte has started to shoot better and just play better in general. Davion, uh, as well, has definitely started to knock down threes, and it's kind of gone under the radar. Do you feel like either of those two guys are are capable, I guess, of of uh, possibly entering into the rotation in a more permanent basis? I mean, I think that's kind of where we're at. I, I'm still – I think that Duarte is there. Just, I mean, you need more bodies, really. Mm-hmm. After the seven where you, you get your start in five, you get Malik Monk, Trey Lyles, it's like, okay, who's next? Right. And maybe it's a backup big on a given night. Maybe they just go to Trey, and then it's probably Chris Duarte. And and then Davion Mitchell right there as well. So I, I think that those guys do provide a lot defensively. big thing for Chris is obviously not fouling. He hasn't fouled recently. No, he's been doing yeah. well, for sure. Um, it was really just that beginning of the year stretch that I think gets kind of yes. held on to. Um, and Davion is playing within himself a bit more offensively. Yeah. I think those guys still need to prove that they can knock down more shots because even though Davion's knocking it down, he gets – left out there more than anybody else, you know, um, which still has an impact. But, I mean, I think that those guys are interesting, and I do think there's value in sort of solidifying, okay, who are going to be your guys as we get closer to the postseason. And that's probably where I'd lean right now. I don't know that I think there's that much of a difference between Keon and Davion, but Davion's playing well, and and keep rolling with it is where I'd be at. Should I even ask about the backup centers? It's Alex. (laughs) Or Trey. Is or it Trey. T- tonight? Is it? Like, are we sure? It's not, you think it's Javale tonight? No, 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 okay. no, no. Tonight, Why not? tonight. I mean, I, how can we say with 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 certainty? No, it's tough to to say with certainty. But I mean, Mike's gone to Alex more times than not against Denver. Yeah. I think even I think Sabonis missed a game last he year. Started, against Denver, yeah. He started. He started. So uh, it'd be very shocking to see Javale go out there. But again, I, it always is. It's a it's a mixed <laughs> bag. It's a, it's a mixed bag with the backup center right now. One more segment to go with the King Sacktown Sports Insiders. We will answer the question of the zone when the Kings are in a zone and when the Kings have to face a zone. And there was a question for Frankie in the sack chat, but we're all going to answer it when we return. Styles and Watkins, Sacktown Sports. The zone. It's not March Madness yet, but... It's zone time. Not only do the Kings have to face the occasional zone, they also get into a zone themselves with the Sacktown Sports Kings insiders here, Brandon Nunez and Frankie Cardicelli. One more segment with our guys. Fellas, when do you think the team makes a decision? What is the indicator for the Kings to say, we should probably get in a zone now? Is it just them getting cooked? Yes. What is it? I think it really is just them getting cooked. Like, we cannot match up man-to-man. And so we got to go to this. Is it a pride thing? Because in pickup, pick if you go zone, there's, it's not allowed. You right. can't go pick up in zone. Mike, Mike, Mike Brown does call it junk. Stubborn. He, he ha- literally calls it a junk defense. He yeah. has said before, everybody has a zone. And they're I don't remember bad, if he said right? they're all or most of them are suck. bad. Yeah. 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 And, you know, Miami's going to be an outlier here. Yeah. But I think that it is really a last resort. And I don't know that it should be. Be no. that much but if you haven't implemented it that much you haven't ran it that much like Miami's so good at it because 
how often they, they have run it. Yeah. So it's it's a tough spot to be in. There's really only them in Utah that do it that much. When you're 30th out of 30 teams in three-point defense, True. it might be time to switch things up a little <laughs> bit. That's all. When teams are shooting 40% from three against you, and they start games off hot, it might be time to switch things up. Well, but the, the way to break a zone is to shoot threes, though. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you got to have them respect it. You, yeah. you would think that the Kings are built for that because all they do is shoot threes. In theory. Yeah. I, well, yeah, I think they do okay at playing against zone for the mm-hmm. most part. But the Miami, I think it was more the press mm-hmm. that Miami did, which is also like a zone. They go into yeah, those like 2-2-1 two, two, right. that falls in like a 3-2 and mm-hmm. looks super weird because Spo is just like a genius. But I think it's really that press that really threw off the Kings more than like the half-court zone, if that makes sense. It was a little bit of both, but pace is just so important for this team, mm-hmm. and I think that totally took it away. Yeah. yeah, that's what I've said is that it's really just, I mean, even even when uh, the Warriors drop Looney into drop covers, it's really just making the Kings offense think. It's it's taking them out of the reaction and turning it into just a second of, oh, should I make that pass? Should I should I actually shoot this? And then at that point, it feels like they've won. And, and you know, it's just it, – because it, both games against Miami, they just completely shut down. And to me, it looked like – I don't know how you're not prepared for the zone going against Miami. It's like going against Syracuse and being surprised by seeing the zone. But, you know, it, it just has completely shut them down the last two times they've seen it. I agree. I mean, again, there's no easy answer for this. I mean, they, the Kings have been searching for answers for, for a while now. I mean, uh, we were trying to kind of f- figure out yesterday if we feel the Kings have taken a step forward on defense this year, which mm. I don't know how you guys feel. It was a hard question to answer, though. That Brendan asked, like, have the Kings taken a step forward on defense? They haven't taken a step back. That and that's the thing. It's like they they're kind of to me. It's like a spinning their wheels kind of type situation. Like they're probably the best way. They've gotten better in some areas, taking a step back in others. Like their three point defense has gotten worse, but they're they're overall holding teams to to less points. I think it's just there's not really an easy answer. I think the the answer to give is probably no. Like I don't know if the defense has gotten better right now. Defensive rating, but teams are also scoring more. It's like weird. The numbers are like so weird because like I think that they. I'm not sure if they're actually averaging or allowing less points because teams are scoring at a record rate this year, but that's just kind of the way that it is right now. You kind of got to hold on and hope that you, you know, in a game that probably will end with 120 plus points for each team, you got to try to hold them under 120 maybe. But uh, like we saw against Denver last time, you hold them under 100. I mean, that doesn't happen very often in today's NBA, but um, I think we'll see what happens early tonight. If, if Denver, who is again not a three point shooting team, but if they're letting it fly and knocking them down, are they, they going to stick with man? Are they going to go to zone? Or are they just going to kind of bear down and say, you know, this is what we have? And Chris Duarte and, like you said, Davion come out and play more minutes. I don't know. But. I'm pretty confident we could shoot 40% against the Kings at this rate. It's at what it feels like. For sure. It's what it feels like, yeah. Right. With Shooter's those, Arena. Yeah, that's right. Shooter's that's right. Arena. From the 916, we need Sasha back. <laughs> yeah. I, I was just looking at the, a timeline update. We are – 10 days out from the four-week mark, mm-hmm. which would mean two weeks past that to where we're at six. So it's, it's you know, we still got a while on Sasha here. Um, four weeks, that's five games. The four-week mark, which, again, mm-hmm. 10 days away. The six-week mark is going to be still 13 games away. We only got 27 remaining on the year. Yeah. Probably not going to see him again is Probably where I'm not. at. You know, at all. Well, at that I point, mean, at that active, but not in the rotation. Well, how many games? How many games are left at that point? Okay, so say he pl- he w- took the full six weeks, which again, this is just a reevaluation timeline rather than actually being <laughs> yes. back. He also twisted both of his ankles. Yes, and this both is a grade of three ankle sprain. Yeah. 
Um, he already was working his way in the rotation. But say it's that full six weeks. That's 13 more games. You'd have 14 remaining. I is that know. long enough to get him acclimated? I mean, or do you think he already is? I, I, I would guess? hope at that point you already know your rotation. That's what I've said. Is that at that if you're 14 games left and you're talking about we should insert this guy who never was really even in the rotation in the first place, that's like a that's a bad sign to me. I think break glass in case of emergency. Yeah. Like if if the yeah. Kings are in, down by 15 and the offense is sputtering and Duarte is not. You throw in, you throw in a shooter, and you <laughs> kind of what he was before. Like that kind of was the role he had before, where he was yeah. out of the rotation, but they'd be down or, or need shooting. So there you go, enter Sasha. But I mean, it's hard for me to look at having him be just a core member of the rotation yeah. right when he comes back for the most important stretch of the season. Like, he was never. What are people he was missing? Never also? there. Like what? What is it that people feel like Sasha is bringing that the team doesn't have right now? Because I'm even looking at his win. The Kings are 18 and 17 in games in which he plays. So it's not even really like never got to see him enough. there's some split. I think that would be the argument. I, I think he's really, really good he's offensively. Good, yeah. Like, obviously, his shot's ridiculous. I think he's really good at moving off the ball. Um, I, I agree with Frankie. Like, I think that if your offense is really struggling, we've seen Mike Brown search before. Yeah. Maybe try it a little bit in those final 14 or so games. If that's what you get, see what he looks like. And, you know, he does seem like a guy that, you're in the first round against the Clippers and you can't score right. in game five. Right. Sure. Let's put Sasha out in this third quarter and he hits three threes and changes the game. Right. Secret you know? weapon. Yeah. And Secret it, weapon. Regardless of, of how it ends, unless there's a parade in, in Sacramento, I think Monty McNair is going to have to answer a lot of questions about Sasha. Uh, unless something like that happens, this was a pretty big swing and miss. Yeah, I mean, it, they didn't, it didn't cost him too much. There definitely was a lot of excitement around him, which I would – Guilty of, for sure. Um, <laughs> definitely. But I'm not fully convinced that, like, year two won't look better. Okay. The book's open. Yeah. The book's open. Okay. I mean, he I, got him for three years. I think the conversation that me and Alan had was more so that he's getting paid the same amount as Trey Lyles. And if I'm not mistaken, he they use their mid-level exception to sign him, right? I believe part a, of A chunk it. of it. I think, yeah. he's, I think he's at $6 million and Trey's at eight, but very very close. They're making around the same money. I yeah. think where we kind of came was you already signed Trey Lyles. Like, wh- wouldn't it have been better for this team this year to use that mid-level on somebody else, somebody who could have contributed where you already have – Trey Lyles piece there, which Sasha was never going to jump over Trey. Um, it just could have been a little bit more useful to use that money on a wing or a backup center or a backup point guard instead of this guy that, yeah, it's great that he shoots the ball, but like you already have five to eight shooters on your team. So like even when he was brought in, it wasn't really a big addressing of a need. Yeah, honestly, I thought that they were going to let Trey walk and bring Sasha in. No, and, and that would have made a lot placement. more sense. Yeah, and that yeah. also would have been not great. Probably tough. no, it would have been no. Yeah, would have no. been not yeah. great at all. Well, these guys are great, Frankie Cardicelli and Brendan Nunez. Thank you guys for joining us as always. When does that collab piece come out? By the Later way, today. It comes out today. Today, today. I'm getting excited. Like when the Kings collab with the local designer, and and it looks dope. So I'm I'm really I'm excited. Warren Lotus over here. Four hundred dollars. That, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. And, and this one will be free. This, right? this one will free. be free. Okay, this one's free. This is the the hottest collab, and it won't cost you a dime. Thank you guys so much. We'll talk to you next week. And Frankie answered his question. Got him finishing sixth. What do you have, Brendan, for where this nets out? He answered it in the sack chat. I was like, wait, wait, I didn't hear that. We'll go fifth, I guess. Fifth, you we'll are the I can't, you sound so wow. upset. We'll fifth. It's fifth or sixth, I, I, no, think. I, I think. You two are so optimistic. <laughs> That's why we love having you on this show every single week.
Or Go. seven or eight. Oh, yeah. you can't say that. <laughs> Go catch them on SacktownSports.com. Follow them on social media. Brandon Nunes, Frankie Cardicelli, Sacktown Sports Kings Insiders. When we get back, we will discuss who needs to step up tonight. Styles and Watkins, Sacktown Sports. Thank you again to Frankie Cardicelli and Brendan Nunez, our Sacktown Sports Kings Insiders. Be on the lookout for their collab article coming oh, yeah. out today on SacktownSports.com from the 530. This is a good call, Chris. I, I think you'd agree with this. Uh-oh. I got to think about the money here and what they're paying JaVale, but the 530 says okay. JaVale was the mistake in the offseason as we were discussing Vizankov, mm. Sasha being maybe the, the big swing and miss. I think JaVale maybe is a smaller swing and miss. I got to look at how much he's getting paid. Very I can't imagine swing. it's a lot. JaVale McGee was a mistake of the offseason. Agree? Had to be someone else they could have got. Um, well, I mean, no. I mean, it was either JaVale. I mean, they had signed Scalabissier to a training camp invite and then had signed uh, Nerland's Noel to something similar and then cut both of them uh, after after JaVale had become available. Mm-hmm. So it would really either be either of those two or JaVale. And I think, you know, maybe Nerlens is a slightly better version of JaVale, but I, I just, I don't think, um, I don't think either of the, any of those guys would have been the right answer. I would have been more intrigued just to see what Nerlens Noel looks like at this point in his career. But um, I think JaVale was a mistake, but at the same time, it was so low risk that it's, it definitely was not the biggest mistake they made this off season. I mean, you could even say, you know, it was. It was. I think they only gave up second round pick for him. But even Duarte um, hasn't really panned out how they expected it to. Every, every, That's honestly, a good one every too. single off off season move they made um, has not panned out. How they even Trey Lyles re-signing Trey has not been nearly as consistent or as good as he was last year. That one doesn't bother me as much though. It's not as egregious. Yeah. Like Duarte, like we've joked, like it's either start or sit with yeah. with Duarte. And we'll see. Maybe it's not that with Trey. Maybe he's finding his way. Yeah, yeah Nerlens Noel is not in the league right now. No. So yeah. there's there's your comparison. I'll say this about JaVale McGee, and I like JaVale, and he is, what is he, a two-time champ, maybe a three-time Three-time, I think, yeah. The thing about JaVale is every fan base thinks they want JaVale, and that has essentially been JaVale's whole career. If you actually see JaVale, I was watching him warm up a couple games ago with our guy, Hunter Patterson, and JaVale is a complete freak of nature. Yes. Okay? A lot of these guys that are seven foot, they can't jump like JaVale. No. JaVale is out of his mind when it comes to (laughs) athleticism. Dunk contest, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So if you didn't get JaVale, I think at this point in his career, JaVale is better in theory than he he is in reality. He's 36 years old. He's 36 years old, but he can still jump. He can still do some things. And if you didn't get JaVale, you would be asking for JaVale. Whether or not JaVale (laughs) would actually be playing. There are teams that are missing a backup big asking why they didn't sign JaVale right now. Yeah. They're not even searching to see if JaVale's even playing. Right. Because JaVale McGee, who's been yeah. in the league for so long, can can jump out the gym. He's just a guy I mean, it's that, like Dwight Howard. It's the same right. reason why I think a text literally just came in asking why not. Literally, it says Howard. from the five, the same number, Would what would the team look like right now if they would have swung at Boogie, Boogie Cousins. Who just retired from the NBA. Or Dwight Howard instead of JaVale. 
To me, five three zero. I just think it would be the same. Yeah, I think they would be yeah. occupying. Yeah. De- depending on their dimensions and how much they weigh, they would be occupying <laughs> the same amount of space on the bench. That's what I think. They'd probably honestly play less than Javale. I mean, Javale has gotten a fair, like way more opportunities than I would have thought he would have gotten. And I don't think Demarcus even would have gotten that many tries. I definitely don't think Dwight Howard would have gotten as many minutes. I don't think JaVale is very high on the egregious meter because of Alex Len. Yeah. You can play Alex Len. You can play Trey Lyle. So that's not the biggest mistake to me because small swing. You had not even really a swing. It's it's a bunt. It's a bunt. It really is. Yeah. Because you had fail safes. You have Alex Len. Yeah. You can play Trey Lyles at the five. And because of your situation with Sabonis, as we talked with Jake Shapiro, very they have the same issue. They had yeah. DeAndre they Jordan. Still have DeAndre they, Jordan. They have DeAndre yeah. Jordan. Hashtag who he played for. Yeah. They got DeAndre Jordan, who actually balled out not too long. He what did. was it a yeah, couple when, months ago? Yeah, when Jokic was out. When, when yeah, him and Reggie out. Jackson, right? Yes, because they're so unique. It's hard to find yeah. other guys like that. And you can't. No. So you just got to find guys to occupy space yeah. and do other specific things. So. I wouldn't put ja- – JaVale is probably number three on the list. Yeah. But for me, in terms of swing and misses, it would be Sasha, yeah. then Duarte. That's where I'm at. And then JaVale, and then Trey Lyles. Right. That's yeah. what I would say. Yeah, I think that's I think that's that's perfect. And I, then the biggest one is just, yeah, the, the lack of moves that they made, but they wanted to course. run it back. Right, exactly. You can only judge the guys that they brought in. And, you know, I think Sasha was def- – Sasha was 100% the biggest swing. Like, that was the guy that – you know, we just talked about it. He, there was so much hype around him. The The fan base was hyping him up, but it wasn't just the fan base. It was Mike Brown literally meant, like, I think it was a week after the Kings lose to the Warriors. He's then in Europe watching Sasha's games. Like, they were recruiting him like this kid was, was the top recruit. Like, he was Nick Saban or something. Like, they were really out there trying to, like, he was priority number one for this offseason, and, uh, there's no way you could possibly say that the amount of time invested to bring him over, he, he just, it, it, he has, the production has not been to that level of, of thirst really that the Kings had for him. What do you, th- it was you- thirsty. It was really thirsty. They, they sent out everybody. What do you think? I'm surprised Jay Ross didn't show up. Right, you didn't show up. Yeah, yeah. What do you think? Dave they... was probably there. Sorry. Yeah, he was. Go ahead, Dave. Go ahead. What do you, th- you any more? Yeah, no, that's it. That's it. We're good. We're good. I love squirts. Okay, there we go. <laughs> what What do you think in a perfect world they thought was going to happen? Because you're doing all this. Who were they prepared to sit on the bench for Sasha? That's a great question. I guess HB, right? Like, because yeah. the plan has always been Keegan's going to be better. So mm-hmm. Keegan was. I think the plan was for Keegan to take a step up. Probably Keegan to fill what HB's role was last year. I mean, in a one-for-one, I think ideally Sasha is a lot better of a Keegan replacement than a Trey replacement because I could – I mean, right, Sasha had the 30 points, two dribbles, and, you know, is is crazy effective cutter and all that stuff. If you think about Keegan's game last year, it was that. He didn't put the ball on the ground. It was a lot of running off of Sabonis picking uh, uh, dribble handoffs and not really doing much of, of any dribbling. And so I would guess that Sasha probably was going to come in and take what Keegan did last year. And HB was just going to have to, as we kind of saw, HB was just going to have to kind of find his way in all of that. And um, I mean, the funny thing is it never really felt like they even got to that point with Sasha. Like, I don't think Sasha was ever really 
I don't want to say given a role, but he definitely never was was settled into anything. Like he never got consistent enough minutes um, to really feel like his role was ever clearly defined for. No, and I think that is part of the allure with Sasha. Yeah, a lot of people feel. Or fans, hey, well, he, he, we haven't seen him enough to know, yeah. right? And I think the point that we, the fact that we haven't seen him that much means that they kind of already know for this season, right? As, as Brendan so eloquently put, the door or the, the book isn't closed, right? Or I think Frankie said that, but they both feel that year two, sure. we could see some things happen. The issue is now, due, due to the lack of playing time and now the injury. I'm I'm looking at our little our big head of yeah. of Debo and I'm thinking you know the Trey Lance comparison is Sasha really gonna feel okay I have a year are we really gonna look at Sasha and be like he's got a year under the NBA and under his belt now I guess maybe just from like a comfort but it doesn't right. really like you know he wasn't out there every night yeah getting used to it the same way we yeah. say okay the Keegan jump because he's out there every night right having to do this having to do that there yeah, were stretches through, where right where Sasha never played, then he yeah. got injured, so he's going to come out. And what are we going to say we expect Sasha to be better at next season? I I think it's all you can realistically say is that, yeah, with a year of, of just experience, and that's really just it, everything that experience comes with, and that's comfort, that's just knowing what to expect. And, um, you know, maybe it could be a big thing, but I, I – I'm a little bit less confident that that's going to happen just because he's 28 years old. Like he's, he's not, um, he's not, you know, a 19 year old who's just learning. It's, it's kind of like Keegan where uh, you're not really afforded the same luxuries as everybody else because of your age. Like you kind of need to be a little bit more NBA ready now. Not that it's too late for Sasha 29. He can still, um, you know, figure things out then, but it's just the further you push that thing down, the less likely it is that, there's going to be a pop, right? Mm -hmm. Because Sasha was not just supposed to be a guy in the rotation. This was a guy who was meant to be a big impact player, like a, I mean, you know, there was talk of, you know, it's going to be Malik off the bench, and then Sasha's going to be your second most important piece off the bench. Like, and that's just the start. Like, there there was right. hope that this guy could maybe come in and eventually take Harrison Barnes's job. And mm -hmm. I think that's kind of where, the, the brakes need to start to be pushed a little where I, I just don't know if this is where he's at at age 28, not that it's it's terrible or he's not an NBA player, but if the expectation was for this guy to ever be like a Bojong Bogdanovich that you're seeing in, in New York right now, it's just like I, I, I don't know if we can if we can put those level of expectations on him anymore because you know you only have so many years here to, to figure it out. The, look, the Kings aren't the first – team to take a swing at a, a player overseas and it not work out. Yeah. It, it's not that it hasn't fully working out yet, but it's no. not going to look like, I think yes. what most of us hoped yeah. when we get back, we will talk about the NFL combine. We have some news out of the NFL combine. John Lynch talking about Brandon. Ayuk, Raiders. Tom Telesco has some things to say as well. And yes, just for Chris Vikings GM has, yeah, some things we need to, to get this say. out here as well and matt barrows gives a little note on the niners dc search don't forget 1 p.m coming up in about 15 minutes we are giving away tickets to see the jacksons and sisters sledge styles and watkins sacktown sports
John Lynch had some things to say about Brandon Ayuk. And look, based on the cap going up and everything that John Lynch has said, it sounds like Brandon Ayuk is here to stay. And here are the 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 quick notes on what he had to say as far as Brandon Ayuk. It's um, you know, I think it's that was a welcome uh, sight that, you know, that the cap was going up. I think the thing you have to understand, it went up for everyone. So it's not like unique to our team, um, you know, but, but we have some challenges. We have a lot of good players, a lot of good players who we've rewarded. Brandon's one that uh, we think incredibly highly of. Uh, one of my favorite um, just guys around our building, the way he approaches the game. He's a competitor. Um, He's a warrior. Uh, he plays with such a physicality, also with the grace, the way some, some of the positions his body can get into. And then he's got a flair for making plays when it matter most. And, and he's served us very well as a, as a franchise. And, you know, I think we've got a, a nice track record of extending the players that are important to us. And uh, Brandon's a guy we want to keep around uh, for a long time. After hearing that, I mean, they're probably going to, extend him but i don't know after hearing that I, I i feel like there's a chance it doesn't happen of course there's a chance yeah i mean with how upset he was he, he didn't say straight up he, he said we would like to yeah he said, we have a good track record a good of track it, record you know. but he he did not come out and say yeah. we're gonna do everything in our power to make sure brandon Ayuk is yeah. a niner next season also did not mention conversation with Brandon Ayuk once not right. hey we've reached out to Brandon huge misunderstanding or we right. understand his side because you know you know it's just I, yeah you know there's definitely the, the window is open for sure like you said all of John Lynch's examples there are we just have done this in the past um, we're confident that we're gonna get it done but I don't know I mean Brandon Ayuk's side seem pretty confident that they want out so it's I mean you know the Niners I think ultimately do hold um, more cards in their hands exactly so you know if they ultimately want him to be on their team this year he's going to be on their team this year but uh you know it doesn't sound like it's completely as as clean as what maybe John Lynch is making it out to say but I will also say John Lynch is not lying they have taken care of just about every single player um, that is needed to be taken care of. And even last year, you know, Jed York did open up the pocketbooks to pay uh, to pay Bosa. And then as well, I believe he he converted um, signing bonus into cold hard cash for, for Trent Williams and Kittle to restructure their deal. So, you know, at, at the very least, he, he, is, he is being factual. I'm just not sure if we did this list a couple weeks ago and Brandon Ayuk is a top 20 receiver. Okay. Yeah. Yes, After yes, yes, that, yes. top 15, I know we right. did the list, and he, he can't be in the top 10. He can't. I couldn't put him in there. He can't. Yeah. So is he top from, He's 10, to from, 10, from sure. 10 to yeah. 15, Yeah. right? And with the amount of wide receivers coming out, and I know uh, it's better to know what you have right. than try to find something else and – his relationship with with Brock Purdy is something that cannot be denied. Right. But I'm also thinking, I mean, I think it's a really bad look that he only got the, the was it three catches or three uh, targets? It, it must have been catches. I think it was three catches. Three catches yeah. in the Super Bowl. I think that's a bad look. I And, and I think that if they are going to keep them, as we talked to <sighs> Brad from SF Niners, 
I think you need to not only pay him but say, hey, we're going to make sure that you're well-fed. Right. I don't know if we need to – and look, at this point, you can make the argument – you don't need to feed Debo. Mm-hmm. It's actually better that you don't feed Debo. Right. Debo can be your your weapon yeah, your in the gadget, playoffs. Right? A true gadget yes, player. Yes, yes. Yeah. And then in the playoffs, if you want to go harder with Debo, that's fine. Sure. But Brandon Ayuk should be the guy to take you there. And in some ways he did this season. I know yeah. he wants to mop the ball during money time. But eleven targets for Debo in the Super right. Bowl. And homie was not getting loose no. at all. No, I think Zero he had separation. three catches too. Like, yeah, with with yeah, with, with way more targets, way more targets. So I think a conversation needs to be had because you can pay this guy, but that yeah. doesn't mean that doesn't mean he's going to be happy. Yeah, exactly. Right. He wants the ball. He wants yeah. to work. He's a receiver, man. Yeah. Those guys got egos. And, you know, he he deserves to to have that ego because you're right. He did have a very special connection with Brock this season. And he, he did, for the most part, take them to where they needed to go this year. He, he was great. He did everything. And he's only gotten better year after year after year. So I don't really know what else you could have asked for him. You, you, I think he you blocks. almost have to. He blocks, these right? These guys don't want to block, right? These these young receivers don't yeah. want to block these days. We need the blue-collar receivers, right. all right? That's right. Like Brandon Ayuk, he wants to block. He wants to put his, his, his head down and get it done from the 8-3-1. B.A. wants to stay, too. He was a little over-emotional after the Super Bowl loss, rightfully so. B.A. was on social media today repping Niners gear. Yeah, I, I'm. if I'm not mistaken, he was crying during his last presser in the locker room, right? Or if yeah. he wasn't, he was extremely emotional. He was right on the verge. I think he might – I think he wants to stay, but I do think that ultimately it might be a situation to where can you not just guarantee me money, can you guarantee me targets? Yes, absolutely. Can you guarantee me – to a, a situation to where we're not arguing over me making the Pro Bowl. Yeah. Because every, the argument is, Niners fans, well, look at all the targets Puka got and what he did compared to B.A. But that's not other people's jobs mm-hmm. to say, well, based on what? No, right. it's production. Yes. It's production. Cold hard and, numbers. And, yeah. and you can assume, well, was was, was Brendan Ayuk open as much as Puka? What's going on there? You, anybody can say anything. Sure. So Brendan Ayuk is saying, dude, I'm trying to, I'm trying to, yeah. I'm trying to prove Chris Watkins and Alan Siles wrong, <laughs> right. who are the you know the affiliate for the Sacramento, the home of the Niners in Sacramento, and I want to show them that I can get to that top ten range, yeah. and I can't get there with these up and down targets that I receive each game. Yeah, right. And I mean, especially with how you look at the landscape of receivers now and how much how much importance there is on receiver, but also how much they're getting paid. And I'm sure BA saying, well, I'm not going to get talked about or get paid like those other dudes if I'm in this system because people are always going to wonder, okay, yeah, he's good, but is he second to Debo? Why does it seem like right. they favor Debo so much? And he wants to be in a situation where, like you said, he wants to shut all of us up and show just with his play, like, no, I'm I'm nice like that. And I could be a bona fide top 10. I just have to go in this equal opportunity offense. But if I were in a system like Devontae Adams, I'm mm-hmm. sure B.A. feels like he could put up similar numbers. You just If you just got to feed him the rock. This is from the, the 8-3-1. B.A. opening up was a good thing. He is the type of talent that should speak up. It will somewhat make leadership look in the mirror and say, we really do need to get this beast the ball more. Yeah. He's way too skilled That's true. to not be getting the ball more. From the 5-3-0, the question is, though, how high do you think Ayuk will be ranked in the next couple of years? Depends on how much he gets the ball. Yep. 
it's kind of all on that because I, I, mean, I think he's going to sit in that. He did about as well as you could for a, I mean, I, I guess, would you consider him the number two receiver? Yeah, I guess is. like in quotes, the yeah, number two is. receiver. I mean, when you give someone 11 targets exactly in the Super Bowl and it's not Brandon Ayuk, then you're not the number one receiver. Great point. From 10, he'll, he will hang out. If he stays with the Niners, honestly, I just don't see things changing unless something happens with Debo. 210, but yeah. I think Brandon Ayuk in this system will always hang out between 10 and about 16. Yeah. That's where he'll be ranked. Yeah. Maybe he can crack the top. Maybe he can be 10. That's what I would say. I would say maybe he could be 10 cuz even in the list we read Debo was 9. Well, I'm not I don't have and Debo I don't, there. Yeah, yeah, and I, I don't think we Debo agree with there. that. But I I think um that's probably the you know, maybe he can be 8 or something, but I I think you know, if we're if we're, you know, th- that's depending on the season, but if we're just talking individual talents, yeah, I don't I don't think unless he's he's going to his own independent situation, I just yeah, I can't see him cracking anything higher than, you know, 10, nine or 10 for, for me in the receiver ranks. By the way, I was, I was a couple weeks ago. I, I, I think it was a late, a late night for whatever reason. I was just spending some time by myself and I'm, and I'm on TikTok and I run into this TikTok that basically has just current wide receivers. And the TikTok is all of their 40 times and each 40 time goes down. And Debo wasn't the fastest, but once he gets to the 4-4, he ran a 4-4-8. Once he gets to Debo, I don't think I realize. There's a couple guys. I, I, got, I think I saved it. I'll show you. There are a couple guys that show up before Debo that I didn't realize that Debo was actually faster than. I don't know about now. Right. But Debo back in the day was cooking. So I'm not trying to disrespect Debo, but as far as his route running and things like that, you got to give it to Ayuk yeah, at, at sure. this point in time. But with this Niners offense, and I think that this Niners offense is continuing to evolve. So now what happens, Chris, if the offense continues to evolve because you don't have Jimmy Garoppolo anymore and you don't need to just dump it off to Debo as much because you have a real quarterback in there. Right. No offense, Jimmy G, you'll be, you'll be okay. You, He's you, already You good. cashed out. Yeah. You bagged out. Now what happens if it goes to Brandon Ayuk? Is Debo at the point in his career where he'll be chill? Or will Debo say, what about my targets? Right. You know what I mean? I, I don't know. We've seen he, he's in the club. You know, he was trying. He he removed everything. He was get, trying to get traded. So I don't know. But this is why Kyle Shanahan gets paid the big bucks, because not only do you have to manage these guys on the field, you have to manage them off the field as well. And so far, he's been a he's done a pretty decent job. Speaking of how good of a job he's done, report cards are out. Team report cards are are out and we will let you know how the Niners stack up. We'll also hear from Vikings GM and Raiders GM. And don't forget, in about five minutes here, we are giving away tickets to see the Jacksons and Sister Sledge. You're not going to want to miss this. Styles and Watkins, Sackdown Sports.